Roots Radio. This is Robbie Martin. I'll be interviewing and uh, showcasing the music and strange sounds of Atta Ebtekar, an electronic experimental artist from Tehran. Atta Ebtekar, also known as Soap, has been carving his own path in the lexicon of electronic music for the better part of two decades. Atta attended school in Germany and later audio engineering school in the San Francisco Bay Area. It happened to be the same school I attended, Expression Center for New Media. Expression was home to not just audio students, but also CGI and visual effects students, many of whom later ended up working for Hollywood's big effects companies. Otto was a few classes ahead of me, and through a random series of circumstance, we became friends. Otto joined the roster of artists on my musical imprint, Record Label Records, and would end up releasing many different projects through that imprint. For a while, Otto was traveling to and from Tehran, back and forth to the United States and Tehran, staying for months and years at a time in each location. But now Otto is in Tehran permanently, further exploring the unexplored outer edges of electronic and experimental music. Today, Otto and I are announcing for the first time his new project, which will also be coming out on Record Label Records, a new Sot album called Arrhythmia, being released May 25th. Hello, Atta. How are you? Good. Hi, Robbie. How are you? I'm doing great. So this is the first time um, you've ever come to the other side of... Uh, of the of the stuff that I do <laughs> media roots <laughs> yeah and uh I'm very excited to be able to talk to you um yeah likewise and and so we've known each other for how many years now about um, 13 yeah I would more I know I think it's more like around 14 years actually yeah. 2001 I believe if I'm yeah. not wrong yeah some, and some, somewhere around then yeah yeah so I met Atta at um, audio engineering school in a place called Emeryville in the Bay Area, and it's it's pretty much right in between Oakland and Berkeley. And um, and I think I had I had heard somebody talking about you, and I I remember seeing you walking around the halls, and I was like, who's that guy? Because like you know every there's like there was actually not that many students going to the school at the time, right? <laughs> and somebody was like. I think there's somebody who goes to the school who's on warp records and i was like really like <laughs> i was like i i you know who who could it possibly be and then uh and then i realized it was you and then we i think we started talking and you showed me um you had just put out like a single on warp records it was back when warp records was still doing those like classic purple purple sleeve 12 inches mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and uh and so tell, I mean, I guess let's start with talking a little bit about that because, you know, that happened so long ago, but, mm-hmm. and, uh, Warp Records has, you know, come quite a long way since then. And yeah. I mean, go back a little bit before that too, but sort of lead into how that happened. At some point, I think I, I maybe had read something somewhere that they're, um, accepting demos and, um, I just, uh, and back then, when you um, sent demos to places, you would, I guess, you, the only way would be to, you know, uh, do a physical, um, like a, either either a cassette a cassette tape or a CD, a CDR. So I guess yeah. I sent them a CDR at some point, but um, um, I had totally forgotten about it actually. And one night I come home and there is a message on the answering machine um from the owner of warp and i was obviously totally surprised and um um he basically said that um he really likes uh, some of the stuff on that cd and um he wants to talk to me so i called him back and um i had no idea what I had sent him, which tracks <laughs> I sent him and what he liked actually. So basically he had to play the uh, the material that he actually liked over the phone for me. So, yeah, so, <laughs> so basically um, 
Uh, I'm like, oh, okay, cool. And <laughs> right then I was like, but, but what are you doing like this one? You know, <laughs> like you know, the stuff that I thought I was actually better or <laughs> the stuff that I was actually more into. Um, he's like, no, no, they're good. They're good. But, you know, this one I, I really, really have to put it out because when I played it in the office, everybody was freaking out and they're like, what the hell is this? And, you know, <laughs> so I'm like, okay. For those- for those who don't know, uh, who is the or- owner of Warp Records? Steve Beckett. Yeah. Yeah. And and Warp Records, um, you know, for those unfamiliar with what it is, it's sort of like the legendary, you know, uh, proto-IDM label that was home to, you know, some of the most famous uh, legendary electronic musicians like Aphex Twin, uh, Square Pusher, um, Autecker, of course. And then even or- before that they were putting out stuff like nightmares on wax. I mean, they had a, they had a huge influence on LFO. the electronic music scene. Yeah. L- oh, of course. LFO. Yeah. Um, what else am I missing? I feel like there was something. Boards oh of yeah. Canada. They, Boards of Canada. Yeah. They also put out the artificial intelligence compilations, which were kind of mm-hmm. like the cornerstone, you know, to IDM at the time. I guess. And did so, you say square pusher maybe? I don't know. If you yeah, yeah. 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 Square pusher. Yeah. 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 So you were sort of, I mean, you were thrust into this label, I mean, it was, I mean, it must've been extremely exciting. It was an honor. Absolutely. Absolutely. Of course. Yes. I mean, the Warp and Mute are, you know, my favorite labels, but you know, they were my favorite labels back then. And they're still. The material you put out uh, that you sent to Warp was, uh, was, I guess, more like drum and bass kind of stuff you were doing at the time. Yeah, I would, I guess that's the closest thing you can. It was, uh, noisy drum and bass um and uh, some people called it breakcore i i really didn't think it was breakcore but i actually it was more labeled as breakcore by by the journalists and um the people that i i don't think it was breakcore writing things like the mysterious breakcore producer from the West Coast and, you know, things like that. But, you know, I, I always thought it was kind of funny. So at the time, did you, uh, were you like anonymous or did you, were you, or did you already have like a public identity that well, you know, put your name out there and stuff? No, not as so. It's actually, I had other releases out, uh, a few other official releases. Um... Uh, out before then, uh, before that, uh, mid '90s, I had some releases, uh, various releases, but um, and some white labels as well. But uh, so this was the first um, release as Sot, I guess. It's interesting actually that um, the owner, um, the, uh, Steve, uh, he asked me. Uh, he said, uh, have you done anything else? Have you have released anything else? And for some, I don't know why, but for some reason, I told him no at that time um (laughs) i don't know maybe it was because i wasn't really proud of the stuff i had done before but i think that actually when i think about it now i'm like why wasn't i that you know proud of my other releases because they were actually they're pretty nice but um so he's like okay you know and um well maybe that was a good thing i mean i'm sure warp liked the idea of releasing something from somebody who'd never released anything before. So <laughs> yeah, that probably helped your chances actually, <laughs> but yeah. uh, that's awesome. So, and I, this happened before I'd actually met you at school mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was, it was sort of like, it was kind of right at the time period where I guess IDM music had kind of reached its peak already mm-hmm. and was kind of like, it was getting to the point where it was spreading to a lot of other genres, you know, you had like glitch hop, you had kind of like glitchy minimal techno, like compact and, mm-hmm. and then sort of the, you know, the later period IDM influence artists like boards of Canada and Prefu 73. Mm-hmm. And I remember that stuff was like very popular, you know, among students there who were sort of more into like the cutting edge shit. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I remember when I met you though, like I was like, Oh, this dude 
this dude knows what's up. Cause like you weren't, I mean, you liked all that stuff, you know, to a certain extent, but you weren't like head over heels about sort of that kind of stuff. You were more like Robbie, come check this out. Like I just got Gantz graph, you know, yeah. and you, and I remember you like took me into the room and played it on like projection screen or something. I was like, Holy shit. Like yeah. this is amazing. <laughs> I mean, you were just up on all the stuff that was going on at the time. And I remember, I, I remember very specifically going into the library and you were like, have you heard of Venetian snares? And I was like, who's Venetian snares? And you're like, oh, you got to hear this. Like, you got to hear it. So you put on, <laughs> you put on music for cats, I think. Yeah. I think it was on, and you made me listen to it on headphones or something. And I was like, what the fuck is this? Like, <laughs> I, and then, so it, at that point I was kind of out of music a little bit. I was still sort of running my label in the background, but I don't really think I, until I met you, did I realize, you know, that I should probably get back into the game. Cause there's, you know, there's actually cool shit happening. I kind of just lost the connection, I guess, in a way with the scene and, and meeting you and going to expression, I think was like a big part of me getting back into it. And then, mm. um, yeah. And then I, and then knowing that someone like you was out there who had, you know, the same appreciation for just weird, really weird sounds, mm. um, you know, and, uh, yeah, that was, that yeah, was a fun it, it time. Was, it was definitely fun times, very exciting times, I think. Yeah, definitely. Us being at, you know, at that school, you know, at Sound Art School, uh, with, you know, all those amazing studios and sound systems, it was it was definitely fun. I remember going once in one of the actual studios with the actual monitors, the Heptagon Studios, and we were playing some stuff there, and it was fun too, and I played you some some of my own music uh, as well you, you wanted to hear more and you know I, I never forget that you I, I I told you that recently that um and then you compared my music my electronic music that I um was making at that time to gamelon music which was really interesting um because I love you know gamelon music actually and yeah so definitely fun times for sure so so what happened and your musical trajectory took a pretty sharp turn right after that it seems like you started to <clears throat> how do i say get a lot more experimental how did that <laughs> how did that evolution take place or were you already sort of there before no i was a parallel tracked i was there before definitely so it was right around that time or maybe even a bit earlier when you know my i started getting interested in uh, making uh, electronic music without any beats actually some of it was just you know regular electronic music without any beats and i'm not talking about ambient music and uh, again like parallel to that i was also getting interested in microtonal music and persian music uh, to put persian music within an electronic framework and doing purely synthetic persian electronic music released uh, obviously I had more um, in my archives but uh, I was already kind of over that uh, style or the yeah. stuff that I had done and I you know I'm, I always want to kind of not that I want to always you know move further but it's just it feels that way I, I never liked I mean everybody was telling me after the whole Warp EP they were saying well you know you start making more tracks like that so Warp puts an out you know puts out an album and you know but you know I just couldn't function that way I you know didn't want to I it didn't excite me to go ahead and start making more music like that so they would like it so the public would like it so another you know, album would come out it was just i wasn't functioning that way you know of course was, i mean yeah. i'm sure i'm sure many other people probably would have done exactly that i mean it was a really you know it's kind of like a strike while the iron's hot kind of a situation where 
I'm sure if you did make something else that was in a similar style, you know, you could have yeah. continued on that track, but you're, what you're saying is you just didn't feel it as an artist to keep no. making music like that. And it's funny cause the very, I mean, it was a really long time ago when I heard, I think it was like probably the very last set you played that kind of material out and it was at that warp show in, in LA. Yes. Is that, yes. that's correct. Right. That was, yeah. And, <laughs> and you uh, played with Luke Vibert and Richard yeah. Devine. I mean, that was a, that was like one of the best electronic shows I've ever seen. That was an I amazing think. show. Yeah. Two rooms. Chris Clark was there. Jamie Lydell was there. Holy shit. Yeah. Um, I forgot. Oh my God. Jamie Lydell was amazing too. Yeah. I mean, it was, I mean, it was a warp show. It was great. Your musical trajectory after that point, the most interesting part to me was that you started sort of mining, you know, the cultural folk music traditions of Persia for putting them in an electronic music context. What, I guess, drew you to that? Were you always interested in in the sort of folk music of Persia? Uh, Yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, I am Persian, so... uh, and I love all kinds of music, not just, you know, traditional classical Persian music or, you know, folk, Persian folk music, but, you know, all kinds of music. But so that, I think it was kind of an organic situation where, you know, I was just, I was grown up with that kind of music. And, you know, obviously when, when you were a lot younger, um, you rebel against music that, you know, your el- elderly, you know, uh, listen to. So there was a time to read where I, you know, uh, said I hated that kind of music, but obviously, really, it, I didn't, and it was just an age thing. But anyway, later on, obviously, and then I started getting more serious about it. And then obviously, me being in the um, studying sound arts and just getting more serious about my passion and uh, all that stuff, I started, you know, I started doing more research about it, and uh, you know, and I didn't want to. I, I mean me being a composer i really didn't want to uh, start making some sort of an electronic music so and um you know put some you know persian instrument samples on top of my electronic music i thought that would be the cheesiest thing i hated things like that and, yeah, yeah you know you know i thought to myself so how about you know i make my own um traditional Persian music because, you know, why can't I call it traditional Persian music, you know, but make it electronic? Exactly, um, yeah. You know, so who says that this is not, can't be a tradition, <laughs> basically. That exactly, was my you're just, thinking. you're just um, re, re, or I guess um, you're doing new instrumentation using the same sort of rules exactly. and, and um, template, but yeah. I mean, what's interesting to me is just being an American, there's really no equivalent at all to something like that. Like our, you know, my grandparents, you know, the only equivalent to that's like, you know, my grandparents listen to like Frank Sinatra and, you know, um, <laughs> like music from the, the 50s and 60s. But like, mm-hmm. um, we don't, I, mean, I don't think Americans realize that most other countries have musical traditions that go back thousands of years, you know, yeah. sometimes pre-biblical in some cases so it's it's just something that um, I mean it's very interesting and there's more you know and we don't even I don't even think most Americans also realize that a lot of music from the Middle East even in the pop music that sort of comes from the the roots of the tradition is microtonal it's Mm -hmm. not in um, 12 tone chromatic scale which is how pretty much all Western music is Mm -hmm. explain explain that a little bit to people who might not understand microtonal music and why you know what how that relates to the persian folk music well i mean there is uh with the persian music just to you know put it simply uh, out there is basically quarter tones instead of um uh, uh you know instead of half steps there's quarter steps between each note so i basically i just wanted to you know um do that with you know with synthetic music that was i just really wanted to listen to something like that and there was nothing like that out there so i thought well i need to make it because this is what this is then it's always like that with my music mostly it's because there's something that i really want to hear and it's not out there and that's what i usually um that's when i usually start doing it you know so yeah 
yeah so basically that and again you know i it 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 goes at the same time with the fact that i was getting sick and tired of you know music with beats and you know i you know i was it wasn't just it was just it wasn't exciting for me anymore i it was i wanted to challenge myself i wanted to hear something you know challenging electronic music without beats making ambient you weren't making noise you weren't making drone you were making a new type of electronic music i mean that didn't simply didn't exist before exactly and, and that's that's what i wanted to do and don't get me wrong i mean i love drone music i love ambient music i love uh, electronic music with beats if it's good and there are plenty of artists that are amazing at it and then there's you know obviously there is Otaker who makes the most exciting uh, electronic music that has tons of beats in there but you know what I mean it's just but uh, primarily I wanted to make something that's not out there and that that I was hearing in my head and that I wanted to just execute and listen to you know so yeah. that was and it, even basically. though yeah, and even though it sounds like a very specific concept, you I think it gives you a lot of freedom to doing uncharted territory. There's something very freeing and liberating about making music that way. Yeah, absolutely. After that, um, after you went to Expression, I put out that album with um, with Drew of Dielectric Drew. Records. Drew Webster, yes. Yeah, and he also goes under the name Dielectrician. Um, or Drucifer. <laughs> Drucifer, yes. And uh, so we so we we split release that album of yours. Mm-hmm. And after that, you you went back to Iran. Was that immediately after Expression or? Um, no, it wasn't right immediately afterwards. But uh, uh, I wanted to live here in Tehran uh, but unfortunately after a couple of years um, or a few it was a little bit more than two years uh, I realized that um, things are not uh, as they seemed uh, especially for um, as far as getting jobs in my field and things like that so that's when I moved back to the Bay Area my wife and I decided to move back to the Bay Area um, until about two years ago where I then again to just fast forward really quickly now I live in Tehran again and this time it's actually for good because plans have changed differently I look at things differently um, just living here I don't have any expectations of really getting an audio job here um, things are just situation is different now so but now I'm here I, I've been living here for the past two years and I can although you should never say never but I know for a fact that I will not be moving back um, to the Bay Area or to the West. Actually, I, this is it. I, for me, being away from this place for most of my life, I need to be back here in Tehran. Well, someday I would, I would love to to visit, and let's let's cross our fingers that absolutely um, <laughs> that things are going to loosen up here in the next, you know, in the next few months. I mean, it seems like it's going in that direction. Absolutely, absolutely. And, I, I, the reason I was asking you when you returned back to Iran um, is because you seem to have made some connections over there with people um, that were also doing abstract electronic music. and Not at first. Not at first. But, no, but, wh- but I guess when did that happen? Basically, that's, it was just purely coincidental because Ali Reza Mashayikhi is really known for his um, contemporary classical works. He's a classical composer. Um, and I had known about his classical works um, from a long time ago. Um, he's definitely a pioneer in that um, genre here in, in Iran, and um, his music is beautiful. Right after Daska was released, 
on your and um, Drew's label. Uh, I was just, you know, browsing through, you know, different th- things and uh, uh, all of a sudden I hear these really crazy electronic sounds with Persian elements in there. And I was just basically immediately got goosebumps and I was like, oh my God, what the hell is this? You know, I, I thought I was the only one who was making music like that. <laughs> anyway, so it was it was amazing. And I'm, were they playing I, it in the store speakers or something? Yes, yes, they were. They were playing it in the, um, at the store. And basically, I just run to the person who happened to be the owner of the store, and I started asking him questions like a little boy. And um, and the guy was completely rude to me, and he was very stuck up and snobby, and you know he was very sarcastic towards my question, you know my towards my questions and it was really interesting because this guy has this really cool cd store in tehran he's playing this amazing music and this young dude goes and asks him about you know something that other people would think is just noise music really and he acts that way it was really funny anyway but I, I squeezed it out of him, basically. He basically, That's great. So what is this? So anyway, he tells me it's from Ayrza Mashaikhi. I'm like, what are you talking about? He makes classical music. He's like, well, yeah, he makes classical music now, but he did all this stuff uh, back in the um, 60s and 70s and 80s. I'm like, oh, my God, what? What? He has, <laughs> and he has, so, <laughs> um but anyway, um, a few weeks later, I happened to be in a different at a different store with my wife Leila, and uh, we see a poster of Adiriza Mashaikhi's concert happening, uh, like in two weeks time. And obviously, I bought some tickets. I'm like, I have to go and I have to talk to this guy. And bought the tickets, went to his concert. We were, you know. Some somewhere out outside of the concert hall, and all of a sudden I see Adriza Mashaikhi walking by, and I just go to him, introduce myself, and tell him the same story I told the guy from the record store. And obviously, he's a very kind person, and he immediately, you know, started talking to me very warmly, and um, he was very interested, and he said, "You have to come to my house." Um, oh, wow. So we can talk more about this stuff. And basically, uh, we a, a new friendship uh, blossomed. And um, I basically told him, listen, um, you made all this electronic music 30, 40 years ago. And um, uh, your music, and this is truly how I felt about this, uh, you know, Persian, uh, yeah, well, Persian electronic music or electronic music in general. I I thought it was the most cutting edge, the most, um, it was just so well done. And I felt that the world needs to know about it. And I told him that, that, you know, I, I, this is my, I really need to somehow introduce your music to, to the rest of the world. And he basically gave me his whole archive of electronic music. He said, do whatever you want with it. And I basically... That's when um, I put out that uh, uh, double album that came out on Sub Rosa. I basically made an album of his material and I called it Persian Electronic Music Yesterday and Today. And um, the Yesterday disc was his music and the Today disc was my album, basically.
It's a really, really great album. And from there, you moved to actually working with uh, orchestral musicians. Yeah, uh, and that was the next project after that, I guess, um, because he was... Uh, anyway, he had uh, two orchestras that he was conducting and he was a director of. And I basically started working with the Iranian Orchestra for New Music. That's right, Iranian Orchestra for New Music. something in between that and archi- architectonic my collaboration with my friend Mazdaq Hamda uh, who's a classical pianist Within, which is basically mostly piano and electronics. Um, it's called Sonic Within and it came out on Digitalis and later on it came out as vinyl on uh, 333 recordings. Um, it's uh, futuristic chamber music, I would I guess that's the best way to describe it. It's, it's very mellow and it's very delicate. And, and we also did another release together that was... It was kind of going back into the the the, the stuff that was similar to your warp uh, twelve mm-hmm. inch, but wasn't on the the twelve inch, and uh, that one is called Wake Up. Well, yeah, that and, was before the whole Persian electronic music stuff. Yeah, that right? was that yeah. was that was before. Yeah, I think we released it after Daska, but we it was did after it, Daska. Yeah, but it was with the implicit sort of you know this is old. This is sort of like your archival stuff. Last year, you released Architectonic? Yes, it was. It was last year's Architectonic, and that's, again, my further, my continuing exploration of beatless electronic music, but definitely different than my previous stuff. Um, this time, I really wanted to capture the um, 
the hardcore energy, the you know the high energy of techno music, and the intensity of noise music, um, but without going into either one of those uh, styles. Uh, um, again, I wanted to make basically really, really intense uh, techno music, but without any uh, conventional beats. No kick, no snare, no hi-hat, no you know typical percussion. When you say beatless, I think, you know, people might assume, again, just because it's people tend to put things in boxes like ambient music or no, something no, like no, that. No, 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 it's but definitely not ambient music. It's very, very rhythmic. That's why I say, you know, it's, to me, it's techno music. It's just, to me, I mean, techno is part of my roots when it was exciting, when it was, you know, pushing boundaries. and But then it became a formula, unfortunately. So I still, you know, have passion for techno music. And I did want, again, I wanted to make a new form of techno music. And, you know, what better way of making a new form of techno music uh, and not using beats? So the challenging part was to get that high energy of, you know, to make a very, very rhythmic oriented electronic music without, uh, you know, getting into the whole framework of beats. So the rule was, although I really don't like rules, but the rule was don't use any beats, no percussion sounds, make all your programs sounds as pitched sounds, um, make patterns and layer them together and get that energy that you that dance music has basically or that intensity that noise music has which i love i just love hardcore music but without any beats and without any harsh noises and the energy in in that music is like the sounds are are so heavy and tactile that you almost create the sensation of beats but they're not they're not. They're sounds that have more pitch and tonal content. Than, Perhaps they all have pitch than drums. Uh, yeah, exactly. And it's not even physical modeling synthesis, which you know it's. Some is. It's, you've done a <laughs> yeah. You've done yeah. a lot of different things to achieve yeah. that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the again, like the idea was just you know don't follow a formula. Just you know do something new and I think and I'm, I'm satisfied with the results I'm definitely I'm, I'm glad that I went into that territory and um, there's still a lot more room for me to explore that um, I guess style or whatever you want to call it we haven't really worked together since the the wake up 12 inch and you've had a well, lot of there other... was there was that one uh, compilation drinking the goat's blood compilation oh yeah 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 <laughs> I, you put a song on there yeah you're one of the only musical artists out there right now who is that understands when i talk about music and what you know understands why i like their things about music and when you play me stuff or you know the stuff you're making it really resonates with me on sort of that you know unexplored creative plane that absolutely no the feeling is mutual and yeah your new stuff is coming off of a very similar tip to architectonic, but mm -hmm. I would argue it's even more, it's less difficult music. It's got a, it has a little bit more of a, some of it's even, you know, poppy, I would say, <laughs> you know, for you. So for me, yeah. um, yeah, I think it's just, uh, I think it's just, I would, I would say it's more mature it's, and it's natural to be more mature because it's again, it's, pieces that I've composed after Architectonic and I you know again as I said you know before this is the, these are this is the, these are the areas that I'm exploring now just you know so it's it's natural to um, be more mature um, but it's yeah it's very exciting it's although it's in the same uh, path as Architectonic but I think it sounds still very different um, 
uh, I think it's more funky in some ways. Uh, um, but yeah, the the idea is the same again. It's basically beatless, rhythmic, electronic music with lots and lots of energy. synthesis really where then that's my passion and I just love sounds and I try to make cool sounds to make it very simple <laughs> I mean there's definitely a safety in staying staying within you know certain genres and there's also some kind of safety in making an album that is overtly some kind of concept where it's even less about the execution and more about the the conceptual framework but I think your music sits sort of in this space where you don't have to really explain the concept to someone listening to it. It's self-evident that you're hearing something new and you could sort of intuitively pick up on the concept as Mm -hmm. you're just listening to it. Mm -hmm. So like Persian electronic music, you know, you can recognize that sort of Persian folk music sound in the sounds sort of instantly, but you're not, but at the same time, it's something that you haven't heard before. What are you feeling now artistically? Like, are you going to move, keep moving in the same direction? (laughs) Absolutely. No, there is a lot more for me to explore in this, uh, this direction that I'm on right now. And, um, but I should also tell you that although I never thought that, or I didn't think that it would happen this soon, but maybe it's because uh, of the of, of of the location. Uh, maybe because because I'm here and you know. But what I'm saying is I'm starting to slowly um, uh, think about um, more Persian electronic music stuff. Although again, nothing really has uh, been realized yet. But I think sooner. More sooner than later, I um, I will start another project that is gonna be uh, again a new whole new uh, style of Persian electronic music, a lot different than I've, what I've done before. Um, but again, that's again things are happening in my head, but that's more for the future. Nothing, nothing for now yet. One of these days, um, we have to we have to collaborate somehow. Yes, <laughs> we have to. Whether um, it's going to be online or whether it's going to be you here in Tehran or me back in the Bay Area, but yeah, we'll we got Yeah, we'll figure we'll figure some arrangement. Things things seem to be loosening up um, with in terms of the sanctions. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been difficult. Yeah, unfortunately, it's just like any other sanctions um, from the big boys, uh, it's always the common folks that are suffering and that are getting affected um yeah it's ridiculous how these sanctions work really they just work against the common people but not against what they i mean just the whole idea of sanctions is ridiculous anyway yes uh, at least on on the surface they seem to get along now or they want to use act like they're getting along and i i personally think that they've always gotten along basically big boys playing some games with each other and with with us playing you know with our heads but uh just putting all that to the side things are 
are are going to get better at least for Iranians, I think, um, in the near future, hopefully, and hopefully we can benefit from that. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I think everybody everybody can benefit from like a cultural, you know, open cultural exchange of information, ideas, arts, exactly. you know, open communication. It's yeah, it's it's ridiculous that we're still living in an era, 2015, where there's there's places that you can't send mail to and you can't travel yes. to yeah. if you're an American. So, well, I'm I mean, you can, that's gonna traveling, you well, can, it's, it's just, it, they make it really hard. <laughs> yeah. Me. Yeah. They have work visa restrictions for Americans in certain oh, Western yeah. countries where you can Definitely. only come over there if you're signed up for some kind of um, employment. So there's all well, kinds mean, of hoops. Yeah, there's all know? kinds of stuff. I mean, there's definitely a lot of Westerners here. Um, I, I mean, um, definitely a lot of Europeans, Western European um, people. Um, I, I mean, I see them with my own eyes on the street, in the restaurants, doing businesses. And, you know, I'm like, wait, wait, there are no sanctions? Well, what are you <laughs> doing here? But yeah, I mean, and uh, obviously... Uh, all the Western products that you can get here, basically everything that you can get here. And I'm not talking about in an underground way or uh, in a bootleg way. I'm talking about very official and in a very official way. I think they're just trying to find ways to make it all official, basically. So the uh, extremists from both sides don't freak out. Yeah. I mean, on Media Roots all the time, we talk about these people, but Particularly in the last few months, there have been so many hysterical things in the media about, you know, Iran. And it's just it's it's died down over here for now, luckily. But it's um because you maybe know, they know how really ridiculous it is. That's the things they say. It's just so ridiculous that it's just it doesn't fly anymore. <laughs> and I think it's just one of those things where it's like they saw, you know, they saw this maybe softening of the relationship happening and the people here who would want to freak out about it that, that was their time to freak out and just raise as much stink about it as they could and now that it seems like it's probably going it, it's still going to go in that direction then it probably just gave up for now mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah it all seems positive um hopefully you know before obama leaves office i think the best thing you could do is just just lift all the sanctions and just be yeah. like look this has gone on for way too long it's ridiculous yeah yeah, that's key. I think you just said a key thing. I mean, it's hopefully things like that. Most things at least happen before Obama leaves office. That's that's a very important. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Probably <laughs> most likely not, but let's let's fantasize. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was it was wonderful talking to you, Robbie. It was um, definitely a pleasure, and I can't wait to um, for this album. By the way, it's called Arrhythmia, uh, and it it will be released soon. Uh, through your label and I thank you for that yeah at the end of May 25th of May 25th um, of May yeah and yeah full disclosure I'm I'm releasing your album Uh, (laughs) (laughs) and it's actually this is the first time we're announcing it it's it's not online yet it's not um, it's not announced anywhere so this is the first time I guess yeah Yeah. it is and have a a great uh, rest of your day Ata thanks you too Robbie (laughs) and we'll talk soon Yeah, definitely, bro. Take care. Thank you for listening to Media Roots Radio. This podcast is the product of many long hours of hard work and love. If you want to encourage our voice, please consider supporting us as we continue to speak from outside party lines. Even the smallest donations help us with operating costs. If you do want to donate, please give a shout out to Media Roots Radio in the information line so my brother and I can thank you the next time we do a podcast. Thanks so much.